John chapter 12. Oh, yeah, we read this last week. Let's start with verse 27, just to pick up where we left off last week. Now, my soul is troubled, verse 27, and, I, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. It's for this purpose that I came. Father, glorify your name. And then the Bible says, Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. And I pointed out to you last week that this is the place in Scripture, the second place where the Father spoke from heaven regarding what was going on in the life of Jesus. First, at his baptism. So then the people stood by, they heard it as a thunder, and others said, an angel has spoken to him, and Jesus said, this voice did not come because of me, but it came for your sake. How many understand that it's not necessary for the Lord to tell you something you already know? He, he, He wasn't saying that for Jesus' sake, he was saying that for the hearers. I love that when people are on the border, on the verge, in a moment of where they are feeling drawn to the presence of the Lord and they almost believe, God shows up and He draws them in. Because no man comes to the Father unless the Spirit draws him. He doesn't get there on his own. You don't cross that moment from almost believing to believing on your own. There is a drawing of the Spirit of God. There is a moment in God that brings that change. And that is when salvation arises. Salvation doesn't arise at the point of praying a prayer. Salvation arises at the point of the changing of the heart. It is in that moment that salvation arises. The prayer and the declaration afterwards is affirming the work that is already done. That's why there's going to be some folks in heaven that it's going to surprise you. How'd they get here? Change of heart. Acknowledgement of who Jesus is. Right? Don't be surprised. There's some folks who have died that were so talented and I've prayed, oh God, I hope they had things right with you because heaven will be so beautiful if they're singing. Right? It's wonderful. So anyway, that's beside the point. So Jesus said this, this voice didn't come because of, uh, of, for my sake, but it came for yours. Now, the, now this is where I want us to begin our, our discussion today, verse 31. Now, listen to this. this. This is one of those places where I've told you. When you look at Scripture, the Holy Spirit is not mincing words. It's like when Anne teaches, everything that comes out of her mouth, there is a purpose for it. There is not a wasted word. It is, it is the most phenomenal thing to sit and listen to her teach because every word is targeting. Well, the Holy Spirit is targeting you right now. Listen to this. Jesus said, now. What does now mean? Now. All right, this is one of those things that we just blow through when we're in Scripture and we just blow right by it and we don't stop and pick it up. I'm, I'm challenging you, church, today. Stop and pick this up. This is preceding the crucifixion. This conversation that Jesus is having with these people is before the cross.
Because something happened. The Bible says that, that Jesus learned obedience through the things that he suffered, right? Something happened in the life of Jesus when he decided, I'm going to fulfill my purpose. We just read it. It is, what would I ask him? Would I ask him to keep this from happening to me? This is the reason that I came. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, wait, we're talking about a crucifixion here. Would I ask him to take this from me? This is the reason that I came. So, dear Lord, listen to this is the prayer of Jesus. Listen, this is Jesus talking. I'm not asking him to take this from me. I'm asking him that through what I'm about to go through, he would be glorified. And so the Father says, I am glorified and I will be glorified. You see that we blow through this stuff so fast, we don't slow down and read the scriptures. I used to want you to read the Bible through in a year. I wish you'd read one chapter for a year. And read it and read it and read it until God unfolds it to you. Or one book. And decide you're going to study it and dig in it until God unfolds it to you. Listen, let him unfold this to you this morning. So Jesus says, now is the judgment of this world. We're living in a culture, people walking through the don't judge me. It's already done, sweetheart. It's done. Let me talk about that. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. He's under my feet. He's under my feet, right? Jesus said, Now! You're letting someone chase you around and challenge you who has been cast down. Wow. I hope this changes your paradigm on the challenges that you are facing in your life. I don't mean to minimize what you're facing. I mean to maximize the God that you're serving. I, want to draw, I didn't want to draw your attention to what you're facing. I want to draw your attention to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So Jesus said now, and you need to underline it and highlight it, and you need to, if you want to memorize Scripture, memorize this. Now! Wow, that's hard to memorize. Now. All right, so he says, now is the judgment of the world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast down. And if I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men to me. Well, we write songs like, lift Jesus higher, lift Jesus. He's talking about the cross. Now it is true, in every, in every truth of Scripture, there are layers of truth that we need to draw out of, and the truth of the matter is, He was lifted up on the cross, and if we continue to exalt Him, and continue to lift Him up, He continues to draw men and women unto Him. 
So when we're talking about lifting Him up, we're not talking about the cross. We're talking about exalting the Lord of glory. But He was talking about His crucifixion, the death that He would die. He said, if I be lifted up, if I go through this, if I say yes to this assignment, then I will draw. Oh, there's another one of those big words in Scripture that we skip over. I will draw all men to me. You see, he said, whosoever will may come. No one will ever live and die on the earth without an experience of an invitation. There's not a single person who has passed from life in this earth that has not, by the Spirit of God, in some way, received an invitation from Him to come. Oh, but there's people who never heard the name of Jesus. That's right. But the Bible says that he wrote his very nature in the creation of this earth. He wrote himself into the creation. It is written there for for all to see. And in some way, shape, or form, he has given them an invitation to know him. And then they got to choose whether they would accept or reject that invitation. But there was a drawing. If there was not a drawing, this scripture cannot be true. Let God be true. And every man a liar. Let God be true. So when God says, if I, if, when Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. No one comes into this life and passes from it without a drawing from Him that has reached an age of understanding and accountability that can understand what it means to have that invitation. No one comes and goes without it. Just, just know that. There again, you're going to find some folks in heaven, you're going to go, how'd they get here? Because they answered the drawing. Oh, but they, they didn't do all the religious stuff. Praise God. There will be some people in heaven who were not very religious. There will be some there that are, and they have been. So, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to me. He said this signifying by what death he would die. So, if now the judgment of the world, if, if now is the judgment of the world, the, the time that Jesus was talking, he said in, in John three sixteen through 21, I want to read this to you. For God, it's a very familiar passage of Scripture. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world. So all the time that you spend wondering if God is looking down His nose at you, would you be free from that today? There's at least one person in the room who goes home every day after work and thinks God is mad at them. But I would assume there's more than one. Stop that. There's somebody here that you go home. I lived there. Listen, I lived there for a period of time. That you go home thinking God's disappointed with you. Well, he'd have to be surprised by you to be disappointed in you. (laughs) Try surprising God. Catch him off guard. You can't do it. Because he's, 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 he's looking at Jesus. He's seeing you through the lens of the work of the cross. He's not disappointed. He's not mad. He's in, he just, he just like he did today. Please, would you just come? 
That's 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 all he is doing in this period of time in the earth. Please just come. Whosoever will may come. So he said, he didn't send his son to the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him, he who believes in him is not condemned. Now listen, you've got to unpack this. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already. It's done. Judgment, for all intents and purposes, has already happened. You just get to decide which side of the line you're on. Just come. Just come. Lord Jesus, help me. Now, this is the condemnation. This is the condemnation. They're already condemned, and and here's the condemnation. How are they condemned? What is condemning them? This is the condemnation. That the light has come into the world, and men have loved darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. They just wanted to live in the shadows. That's all. That's it. Seems simple to me. The gospel is simple. It is not complicated to walk with God. Religion will complicate it. But following God is not complicated. So for everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds would be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light and that his deeds may be clearly seen. In other words, he's not embarrassed. He's nothing to be embarrassed about. Came to Jesus. Here I am. Take me as I am. What you see is what you get. Come to Jesus. He's not condemned. So that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. And then Romans 8.1 says, there, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. See, and we, we like to stop at that there is no condemnation and we just stop there. Finish the sentence. To those who are in Christ Jesus. You know why people who don't know the Lord feel condemned? They'll think you're condemning them. They feel the condemnation that is over their life, but not because you're condemning them or because I'm condemning them, because the Word says they're condemned already. That's it. It's that simple. I'm not judging their sin. It's already done. So then he said, now the ruler of this world is being cast out. There's this beautiful passage of Scripture about this in Isaiah 14, uh, chapter 14, verse 12 through 16. It just says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations? For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. This was the arrogance of the enemy. 
I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the uh, mount of the congregation on the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. That's the conversation that Satan had with himself that got him into war with God and being cast out of heaven. Yet thou wilt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. Now look, listen, listen. Oh, listen. You got it. You got it. Just, just embrace this for a minute. The enemy's brought down to the sides of the pit. I always see, when I see this verse, I see a salamander on the side of a wall. It's just how it looks to me. You can see whatever you want to see, but that's what I see. I had a salamander one time. It was in a little bowl. Remember that, Elaine? I had a salamander. It was in a little bowl. My mom said, keep water in that bowl. You're going to kill that thing. I walked in there one day, and he was like this. <laughs> Stiff as a board, because I didn't keep water in the bowl. That's what I see, though. Maybe that's why I see it. God was drawing a prophetic picture for me. <laughs> because there ain't going to be no water in hell. I put that salamander through hell. <laughs> Verse 16 says, They that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee and consider thee, saying, Is this the man that made the whole earth tremble? This that shook the kingdoms of the earth, that made the world as a wilderness and destroyed the cities thereof? that opened not the house of his prison. Is, is that? Is that what gave me such a hard time because I didn't get my head around what the word really says? Is that? Do you see how the Lord is just minimizing who the enemy is in your mind so that he can maximize who he is? You will stand and look over into the pit as he clings to the side and you'll say, are you kidding me? I'm, that's what I let mess me up? Are you kidding? That's what I let rob the glory of the Lord from my life? And you'll just be amazed because he's just a created being. That's all he is. He's not omniscient. He's not omnipotent. He can't be everywhere at once. He can't know everything. Sometimes you talk and you tell him. Sometimes when you open your mouth, you're letting him in on your secret. Did you know that the enemy does not even know you're discouraged until you go, I'm so discouraged. Well, and then he can't be everywhere at once. So you've been like, the devil's been chasing me all over. And he's like, ah, I've been over in Iraq. I've been on Iran. He has, de definitely, he has assignments. I'm not, please don't misunderstand. But greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And you're going to stand and you're going to look and you're going to say, I can't believe that that's what I let give me trouble. That's what you're going to see. And I just want to help you understand that. All right. Now, Jesus said, if I'm lifted up, I will draw them into me. I want, to, I want you to look at verse, John chapter 12, 
verse 47 through 50, and I just want to contrast or, or bring those two things up against each other. If I am lifted up, I'll draw them into me. If anyone hears my words, verse 47, and does not believe, I do not judge them. Now, have you re- how many times have you read John? Have you ever seen that? Read it again. If anyone hears my words and does not believe, I don't judge. Jesus said this. I don't judge them. I didn't come in the world to judge it, but to save it. I'm, I'm, I'm belaboring this so that you can see the motivation of the heart of Jesus. You need to see him in a new way. You need to see the motivation of his heart. I didn't come to judge you. I didn't come to tear you down. I didn't come to give you a hard time. I came to help you. I came to lift you up. I came to save you. So what does he say? He who rejects me does not receive my words He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken. Look at the tense there. All the things that Jesus said while he was in the earth. All the things that he expressed as he was teaching. The words that I have spoken. It's one of the times in Scripture where God makes the distinction between what He has said and what He is saying. And if you don't slow down and read the Scriptures, you'll miss this. He said, that word which I have spoken will judge Him in the last day. This is why it's so important. This is why we're not just a spirit church, we're a word church. Because if you're just a spirit church and you're not a word church, you're just uh, fruits and nuts and flakes. So we're not just a spirit-led church. When the spirit begins to lead us, when we begin to have experiences with God, the first thing we do with that experience is we go here. You don't, you don't live your life with God out of your experience apart from the Word of God. You don't interpret who God is through your experience. You interpret your experience through the Word of God. You never interpret the Word through your experience. I know some folks who have experienced some stuff. We never interpret the Word through our experience. We take our experience and we lay it over the Word of God. And if the Word of God tells us differently, we throw out our experience. Or we reframe that experience in light of the Word. God is not saying something new or different than He has said in the past. This is the living Word of God in that it never passes away. Not in that in in some 
religious structures, they believe that the, the word that they follow, the scriptures, the, the, their holy book, that it has, it, it's a living document that changes. We believe that the Constitution uh, is, is a living document that the government can look at and vote and elect to make changes in that document because it's living and, and it's changing. But the living word of God is the living word of God because once it was spoken, it never passes away. It's living because it brings life. So it's a different definition of what it means to have a living document. It's living because it brings life. And not death. It's living. So it is a living document in that the Word is alive. And we must, we must be careful when we have an experience with God or an experience in life, the enemy will, will, will try to get your attention. He'll, bring, he'll let you have a good time. He will let you have a good time so that he can get your attention. But this word says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. So, anyway, contrasting that statement, if I'm lifted up, I'll draw them into me. If anyone hears my words and does not believe, I don't judge them. I didn't come to the world to judge or to, I came but to save the world. He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. For I have not spoken in my own authority. Now he puts his authority under the word. I've not spoken in my authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command of what I should say and of what I should speak. And I know that he commands, that his command is everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the Father has told me, in other words, essentially he's saying, that's the only thing I speak. I'm only saying what Daddy said. That's what he said. So he says, I'm not judging. The word will, this is why I tell you, listen, I've heard someone is so foolish as to say, well, if I'm responsible for what I know, then it's better that I don't know it. <laughs> Duh. Do you not think that when you stand before God, he's going to say, I gave you the opportunity to know it and you chose not to know it? The Bible says of the atheists and the agnostics that they decided, they determined not to know him. While they knew in their heart that he was, they decided not to know him. So while they knew that he was there, they determined not to acknowledge him. That's why I teach you, there is no such thing as an atheist. He became that by a choice. And I'm going to explain that to you right now if I have time, whether I have time or not. <laughs> Look at John chapter 12 and verse 36. And let me wrap this up for you. This, this is another passage that makes some people mad. How many love the things in the Word that make you mad? I'm going to tell you, there are some things in there I don't like. But I happen to be the clay and he happens to be the potter. So, Isaiah chapter 12, verse 36. Jesus said all of this and then he went into hiding. 
Remember we talked about all these dynamics that he was facing, these emotional struggles that he was facing and these challenges he was facing because they're trying to kill him. And at this point, we saw in Scripture, they're trying to kill him and Lazarus because people are following him because he raised Lazarus from the dead, right? So we saw that a few weeks back. So now Jesus goes into hiding. And these, I'm going to read this from, I believe this is amplified. Um, Certainly a different version. I chose it on purpose. And these God signs he had given them, and they still didn't get it. Listen to this. They still wouldn't trust him. He said to them at one point, we read this a few weeks ago, if you will not believe me because of my word, the things I'm saying to you, believe me because of what you see me doing. My God, I'm raising the dead. I'm casting out demons. I'm opening the eyes of the blind. I'm, I'm unstopping deaf ears. I'm healing leprosy. If you won't believe me because of what I'm saying, believe me because of what I'm doing. But they saw all these God signs, all these things that he had done in front of them. They still didn't get it. They still wouldn't trust him. This proved that the prophet Isaiah was right. God, who believed what we preached, who recognized God's arm, outstretched and ready to act. Are you following that? First, listen to what it says. We, we see in Scripture, you see, the, the, one of the stories that kind of upsets me is that, it, that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. That Pharaoh, we, we think, well, then Pharaoh didn't have a choice. We see Judas. I don't like the story of Judas. Because there had to be one. It was prophesied. We see in times in Scripture where the, the Bible says in this passage and, and in others, you know, just in case they believed and I showed up and healed them. So, so there was a shroud over their understanding. Well, I'm going to explain to you right now why. And this is why I say to you, do not say in your heart, well, it's better that I don't know. Don't say that. This proved that Isaiah was right. Who believed what we preached? Who recognized the arm outstretched and ready to act? First, they wouldn't believe. Choice. Choice. Got that? First, they wouldn't believe. Then, they couldn't. First, they wouldn't. You can press against God for a period of time where He is pulling on your chain and knocking at your door and trying to get your attention and He, just like any good evangelist will do, if you won't respond, He'll go to someone who will. 
Catherine Kuhlman said when, when she was preaching in a day that women were not preachers and women were not casting out devils and women were not laying hands on the sick and them recovering and women were not being allowed in the pulpit and women were being told to follow their hubbies around and, and nobody had discovered that the scripture said that in him there's neither male nor female. That we're all people of God. We're all priests unto the Lord. And she said in, her, in the context of her, own, of her own life, when God called her into ministry, she said, why don't you call a man? I don't want to do this. And she said that in her private time of prayer, the Lord said, I've called several, and they have refused me. I'm calling you. So God is a good evangelist. So it says that they would not believe and then they got to the point that they could not believe. And that's when the scripture says that the, that the Lord hardened their heart. And what it, what it means is that their heart got so hard. And he said, I'm going to go somebody whose heart is open to me. I'm going to go somebody that, that wants to hear me. I'm going to go talk. To, uh, how many of you would continue to have a conversation with someone who won't listen to you? Only your kids. <laughs> so, they wouldn't believe, then they couldn't believe. Just as Isaiah said, their eyes are blind, their hearts are hard. And so they wouldn't see with their eyes and perceive with their heart and turn to me so that I could heal them. Doesn't that put the right context on that passage for you? Isn't that wonderful? It's wonderful. You see, God is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He loves the word. God loves the word all. I look in Scripture. Where does it say all? Where does it say every? Where does it say if? Every promise that you ever receive from the Lord has an if against it that you are responsible for. If you will hear my voice, if you will open the door, I will come in and I will commune with you. So Isaiah said these things after he got a glimpse of God's cascading brightness that would pour through the Messiah. On the other hand, a considerable number of the ranks of the leaders did believe. Now listen to this. This is the other condition in the kingdom. Verse 42 and 43. On the other hand, a considerable number from the ranks of the leaders of the Jews did believe. But because of the Pharisees, they didn't come out in the open with their belief. They were afraid of getting kicked out of the meeting place. They were afraid of rejection. Y'all need to go home and read this again. Some of y'all live in a spirit of rejection. I break that off of you right now. You are not rejected. You are embraced. You are loved. But because they were afraid of rejection and of getting kicked out of their, their meeting place, their synagogues, when push came to shove, they cared more for human approval than for God's glory. You and I cannot walk with God desiring human approval. 
I cannot appropriately lead this house if I am seeking the approval of men. There are many who have come and left because they, I did not have their approval. But I don't work for them and I don't answer to them. I have to answer to Him. You cannot serve God and seek the approval of man. These people could not come out of their, uh, their bondage because they were afraid of what would happen if they showed up at synagogue and they started saying, Jesus is Lord! They didn't want to lose their place in society. They didn't want to lose their place of influence. They thought they might lose their friends. How many of y'all, when you came to Jesus, you had to lose a friend or two for a while until you got your root down? Come on. Is God worth more than a few friendships that can pass by the way? So we're not seeking for human approval. We're seeking for the glory of God. This word says they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. But if you love His glory... If you love His praise, He will speak into you. Stand together this morning. I want to give you one other scripture and I want you to just, you can write it down or memorize it or refer back to it later on this subject of Isaiah's prophecy. It's in Romans 1, 21 and I referred to it a minute ago. They knew God but they would not glorify Him as God. They were not thankful, but became vain in their imagination, and their foolish heart was darkened. They chose. They chose. I want you to decide today. The prayer teams are coming. Here's what I want you to do while the prayer teams are coming up here. I want you to say to the Lord, Lord, I don't care what anybody thinks. I want you. 